welcome to the Soul Revival Church Podcast. My name is Melissa Poisel, and my husband TJ and I are the lead pastors here at Soul Revival. Thank you so much for listening in. We pray that today's message is encouraging and inspiring. God, thank you so much that that is your heart for us, that you would meet us where we're at but that you love us way too much to leave us there. And I just believe that you are in this place. I believe that your Holy Spirit is speaking and moving already in this place. And so God, I pray that as we get ready to receive this word, that you would continue the conversation through your Holy Spirit, that we would encounter you in a new way, that you would stir up faith within our hearts, God as we study about your miracles, as we study about who you are and this power that we have in you. And we thank you for your presence now in this place. And it's in your mighty name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and take a seat. Maybe smile at someone, wave at someone on your way. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. It's good to be in community. It's good to be worshiping together. My computer's not opening. I might have to go from memory. Just kidding. (laughs) My name is Melissa Poisel. My husband, TJ, and I are the lead pastors here, as he said. And if we have not had a chance to meet you, we would love to connect with you um, after the service. But I get the privilege of sharing the seventh week in this series that we've been in called Miracles of the Messiah. We've been taking a look at the Gospel of John, and we've been looking at the different miracles that he chose to record. At the end of John, he says, you know, Jesus did so many miracles throughout his ministry here on earth, but these were the ones that I recorded so that you will believe. And so if we believe, if he said it, then we can believe that there's a reason why. And we've been diving into all of these different miracles throughout the last six weeks And what's really awesome is that there's a common theme. It took faith, it took a belief in who Jesus was, and it took a step of obedience, right? Oftentimes, before anyone saw the miracle, they would have to act in faith. And so this morning is no different. I want to dive into what that looks like um, when we think about what does it look like to act on our faith, to act in faith. Would you pray with me before we get started? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again that you are in this place. I thank you for your word and for your truth and the power that we have in you. God, I pray that you would speak through me today and that I would get out of the way so that your word would go forth and that you would speak to hearts and that you would move us to be more like you and to live a life of faith. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you don't know, it's kind of hot in here, right? (laughs) Um, If you don't know, my husband and I have three boys. So I'm a boy mom through and through. I never thought I would be a boy mom. I thought um, I would be a girl mom because I was a girly girl growing up. I didn't like boy things. I didn't like bugs. I didn't like dirt. I didn't like sports even. And that's not a boy thing, just so you know. (laughs) I'm not saying that. Girls play sports. But anyway, so I have three boys. And Matthew, Micah, and Malachi, eight, seven, and five. And it's really fun to watch their dynamics. Well, my youngest one, five, Malachi, he wants to do everything his older brothers do, which kind of gives me a little bit of a heart attack. 
most of the time, and he thinks he can hang with them, which he really, in fact, can. He's a pretty tough kid, and he's pretty athletic, and so most of the time it works out in his favor. They've just been starting to um, get interested in like the video games, and we were never like super big into video games, so we started them out with like a Nintendo DS. So that's where they're at right now, but Malachi has not had one. He's just been using his brothers. And so he's been really into this Lego Avengers game, and he'll sit himself on the couch and he's playing this game, and every once in a while he just gets beyond frustrated. You just hear, Ugh! like he's just so upset. And it's because his, the only thing he wants to do in these games is get to the next level. He doesn't care about all the extra lives, he doesn't care about the extra secret passageways, like nothing about, he just wants to level up because he thinks that's what he needs to do. And so I'll go and help him and try to calm him down, talk him through. And what the problem is, is that this game pops up with a lot of reading prompts. And he can't read yet. If you have a five-year-old that can read, you're amazing. My five-year-old cannot read yet. And so he doesn't even understand what they're asking because he can't read the prompts. But half the time, they're telling him to use a certain tool or a certain element in the game so that he can get to the next stage. Well, it's not that he doesn't have these tools. He just doesn't know that he's being asked to use them, and he doesn't know how to use them to get to the next level. And as I was thinking about this week's message, I have a point. I'm getting there. <laughs> so often I feel like in our faith journey, we have faith. If you ask around, if you ask people, do you have faith, a lot of people would say, yeah, I believe in God. Yeah, I have faith. Or, you know, I grew up in the faith. That's a common one, I feel like, around here. But what I want us to get this morning is that faith isn't something that we just have or that we just fall into or that we hold on to. Faith is something that we need to use. Faith is something that we have to actually put into action if we want to level up, right? So today's message, if you're taking notes, the title is Level Up. We're going to level up in our faith today. In James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You can believe all you want that there is one true God. That's wonderful. But even the demons know this, and they tremble with fear before him. Yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. And that verse and the way that it was said in the Passion Translation just stuck out to me. They were unchanged. It's not enough to have faith. It's not enough to just say, yes, I believe that God exists. He's asking us, will you use that faith? Will you grow in your faith? Will you activate your faith? Because even the demons know that God is the one true God. Even the demons know the power of God, probably more so than we do, right? And yet they remain demons. They remain unchanged. And I don't want to be like a demon. I want, to stay, I want to be always changing and always growing and always building up my faith. The power comes when we activate our faith. Faith alone is powerless unless we activate it. We have to use it. So I would venture to say that if I ask the question, how many of you want to level up in your faith today? A lot of you would probably raise your hand. Of course, we want to grow in our faith. Of course, we want to experience more of God. But I wonder if we're really honest, how many of us, when we talk about that, are either unsure of how to do it, 
or maybe we're afraid on some level. There's something that's been hindering our hearts, a reason why we don't feel like we can, maybe we shouldn't, maybe we're not worthy enough. I wonder if you're really honest, if you've ever felt disappointed. Maybe you've had faith in something. Maybe you've prayed to God for something before, and you might feel a little let down. Maybe it didn't come to pass like you had prayed. You didn't get that answered prayer. If you've ever felt disappointed, if you've ever felt frustrated with God, you're not alone. You're not alone. The reality is, I just want to encourage you with this, the reality is is that God never fails us. He never fails us. But when you have prayed for something for so long, and you've believed him with the little bit of belief that you have, and you're just asking, God, will you please just come through? And he didn't do it in the way that you hoped he would. And he didn't do it in the timing that you hoped he would. And you thought you believed him for it, and it just didn't come to pass. It can definitely feel like he let us down. It can feel like he's disappointed us. Today we're going to be looking at John chapter 11. And we're going to be talking through the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. But see, Lazarus had two sisters— Martha and Mary. And the three of them were all very close to Jesus. He considered them dear friends. In fact, the Bible actually said how much he dearly loved these three siblings. And I would imagine that if you've ever felt hurt or disappointed, if you've ever prayed for something and you didn't see it happen in the way that you wanted it to happen, that you're going to be able to relate really well with Mary and Martha here. Mary and Martha, like I said, they loved Jesus. They were friends with Jesus. They saw his ministry. They knew what he could do. They knew he was a healer. They knew that he had that power. And so when they found out that their brother Lazarus was sick, sick and dying, the only thing that they knew to do was send for Jesus. So they sent their servants, and they said, go and get Jesus. Tell him that the one that he loves like pleading for <laughs> pulling at his heartstrings. The one that he loves is dying. He needs to come. And he was probably about a day's journey away from where they were. It took faith for them to say, this is what I'm seeing. This is what's happening. And I'm going to go send for Jesus because he's the one that can help me. He's the one who can save my brother. So they sent for Jesus and Jesus didn't come. In fact, it says, Scripture says that he dearly loved them, so he stayed another two days where he was at. I didn't understand that so, but he dearly loved them, and so he stayed instead of rushing. There was not a sense of urgency. He stayed for two more days going about his father's business before he decided to go back that day's journey to go back and see Lazarus. And I wonder if in that time... If we could just imagine what Mary and Martha must have been feeling, I feel like we, we can easily imagine that. I feel like I've been in that position before. I called on Jesus. I believed him for this. I believed that he could. And now I'm waiting. Where's Jesus? I thought he loved me. I thought he was going to come through for me. I thought he would help us. I had the faith. I believed. I prayed. 
what must have been going through their hearts and their minds? Because this is what happened. In that time period, Lazarus died. And they had to then mourn the death of their brother. Then they had to go through the ritual, the burial process of wrapping him in grave clothes. I would imagine with every wrap around his body that they were thinking, this is it. How can he come back from this? That it was just like a knife to their heart. They had to prepare his body and then they had to place it in a tomb. And then they had so many people come around them and mourn and grieve with them. So I would imagine that the reality of this, this loss was very real. This disappointment was very heavy. And I want to pick up this story when Jesus finally arrives. And I want to look at his interactions with Martha and with Mary. <clears throat> and I want to look at four different levels, if you will, of faith that Martha and Mary went through, that we can see them processing through before they saw their miracle. In John chapter 11, verse 17 through 21, it says, When Jesus arrived at Bethany, he was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days. Four days is significant because in this time period, even the pagans, even those who didn't believe in the power of God and believed in other powers, believed that after three days, it was hopeless. There was no power whatsoever that could ever raise someone from the dead after three days. So God gave us four. That's how powerful God is. Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. I would imagine like she's running, like, yes, he's here. He's finally here. But Mary stayed in the house. I kind of laughed at that one because I feel like I would be Mary. I'd be like, showing up a little late, huh, Jesus? <laughs> like, I'm not going to you. <laughs> Anyways, that was, you know, it's fun sometimes to like read the Bible and bring it to life. So that's where I would be probably. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And I want to key in on the, those two words, if only. If only you had been here, I wouldn't be feeling this. I wouldn't be grieving like this. If only, Lord, you were here, my brother would not have died. And like we talked about before, this is, a, this is our first indicator of some level of faith that they had. You can't be disappointed in something you never hoped for. So the fact that they're deep in disappointment right now tells us that they had some sort of faith and belief that God was going to come through for them. But now her circumstances and the reality that she was facing, what she could physically see, what she was physically feeling, was just a lot of pain and a lot of disappointment. And you could almost hear it in her voice as she cried out to Jesus, if only, if only you had been here. If only, God, you had given me that job. If only, God, you had healed my friend. If only, God, you had restored that relationship. If only, God, I didn't have to go through this loss. I didn't have to go through this pain. If only, God, you had provided this or that. If only he would have answered my prayers. Now, the problem with if only is that it's really easy to get stuck in the if onlys. This if only kind of thinking keeps us focused on our lack. It keeps us focused on what didn't happen, what wasn't. It keeps us so focused on how big our lack is 
and it makes us lose focus on how big our God is. And this is where the enemy wants us. He wants us to fix our eyes on what we see physically and get discouraged. He wants us to fix our eyes on what we see physically and lose faith and lose heart and lose hope. He doesn't want us fixing our eyes on Jesus. He doesn't want us fixing our eyes on things above. The Bible describes faith as the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance in what we can't see. That's what faith is. It's when we can't see it. It's when we can't see it, but we have assurance through Jesus that he can and he will. Now, I think it's interesting because Mary and Martha both had this exact same response to Jesus. In verse 32, I'm just going to jump ahead for a second. When Mary finally got word, hey, Jesus wants to talk to you. You should come and see him. So she goes. And when she greets him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. I feel like they were probably commiserating in their misery together for them to say the exact same thing, if only. Now let's go back to Martha's encounter with Jesus. She ran to Jesus. She met him on the way and said, if only. She brought her, if only, to Jesus. But I love the very next thing she says in verse 22. She says, but even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. If only you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But even now, I know that you are able. I know that you can. I know that whatever you ask of God, that he will give you. Even now is a faith that requires you to acknowledge the situation. It's a faith that is not ignorant to what's actually happening, right? But still trusts that God is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do. Even now is a choice, and that's what I think we need to get today. It wasn't something that she felt. It wasn't something that her circumstances told her. She had to go above her circumstances. She had to look beyond what she was seeing. And she had to say, even now. It's a a definitive decision to believe that God can. To believe in the power of God. Even now, I trust. Even now, I trust. It goes on in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. He's speaking of eternity in heaven. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? And she replied, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah. I believe that you are the Son of God who is to come into the world. What's he asking her here? He's asking her. She's already said, I trust you. Even though I don't see it, I trust you. And now he's saying, but do you believe in who I am? Do you believe that I am who I say that I am and that I can do what I say I can do? Do you believe that I alone hold the power over life and death? Do you believe in me? And her answer, I believe. I believe who you are. I believe you hold that power. Faith that believes in who God is. As we grow and build our faith, we'll move, I think, on a regular basis from going in between these different levels of faith. 
We pray for something, maybe it doesn't happen the way we want or in the timing that we want, and then we have to say, we have to bring our if-onlys to God, right? If only you had done it this way. And then we have to move on from there quickly and say, but you know what? Even now, even when I don't see it, I still will choose to trust that you're working. Even when I don't see it, I will choose to trust that you're able. And then that moves us into praying with a boldness and a belief. A boldness and a belief that says, yes, I believe you can. And guess what? I'm going to claim that you will. I'm going to believe that you will because that is the God that you are. And so it's moving us into this progression and praying bold prayers in faith. And you know what? If it doesn't happen the way that we want it to, then we go back to the beginning. And we can still believe God is who he says he is, and he can do what he says he can do, and we can still believe with hope and assurance and confidence that he will. He will come through. We can't just claim to have faith. We have got to put it into practice. We have to use it. We have to put our faith in action. In James chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? What good is it if you never put your faith into action? You see, I feel like one of the guarantees besides death in this life is that we're going to face trials and challenges of many kinds. Jesus actually said that. In this world, you will have trials and tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And every trial and every hardship and every challenge with Jesus, that's the key, is an opportunity for a miracle. Every single thing that we face in this life is an opportunity to build us up in our faith, to grow us. Faith isn't built in the good times. Faith isn't strengthened when everything's good and comfortable and easy. Faith is built up in the trials and in the resistance. And if we never faced disappointments, if we never faced adversity or hardship, we would never have a chance to put our faith into action. We would never have a chance to see God get the glory for the things that he does in our life. Faith is, it's like a muscle that we have to use, right? If you don't use a muscle, it atrophies. It actually weakens. It doesn't just stay the same. And faith is like that too. Every opportunity that you get, it's an opportunity to build yourself up in your faith. And it's going to require us to move. It's going to require us to act. Faith is going to require us to move before we ever have all the answers. It's going to require us to act before we ever understand what God's doing or what he's asking us to do. We might not ever understand why he is calling us into certain situations. It's going to require us to move before we ever see anything change physically, before we enter into the change spiritually. It's going to require us to act on our belief. It's not enough just to believe in God. We have to act on it. And I just want you to hear this, that when our faith moves us to action, that's the kind of faith that moves the hand of God in our life. When our faith moves us into action, God's hand moves. He responds to our faith. Think about all the times in the Bible where you've you've read, by faith, 
it was done. By faith, you are healed. It's a response because of our belief and our acting on our belief. When we go back to this story of Lazarus, I want to look at what Jesus, what Jesus asked of them when he arrived at the tomb of Lazarus. This is John chapter 11, verse 32. He said, roll the stone aside. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Can you imagine? She's thinking with her, like, what she sees physically, what's going on physically. He's been rotting for four days. It's going to smell. Like, what's the point in rolling away the stone now? Have you ever been asked or prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something, and your first response is like, yeah, that's not a good idea. That's going to really stink. (laughs) I don't think I want to go there. I don't want to open that tomb. But here he is, and this is his response. He said, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? And I wonder how many of us today, he's speaking that exact same thing to, didn't I tell you that you would receive, that you would see God's glory if you believe? You can trust me. You can move because I called you to move, and you can trust that I have a plan. And then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all of these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. And I just want to stop there, too, because you know what? A lot of the miracles that we pray for in our life are not even as much about us as we think. There's times where God's going to use the things that he does in your life to display his glory in such a way that it's going to cause the people around you to believe and to have faith and to be built up and to step into the things that they're ask- he's asking them to do. It's not always just about us. In fact, I would say it's probably never just about us. God is a God of multiplication. He is a God that he wants the glory. He wants to see that in our lives. So then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. And Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. Move the stone. But no, that's going to be, I, uh, uh. no, move the stone. Don't you believe? Didn't, you, didn't I tell you what you would experience if you would believe Take off the grave clothes. There's still something in it for them to do. They get to be a part of this miracle. Live like you believe God can, and he will. Don't get stuck at the if-onlys. Choose to trust him. Choose to trust him beyond what you can see. And it's not, I just want you to hear this too. There's no condemnation with the if-only. If you bring your if-onlys to Jesus and surrender them to the feet of Jesus, he's not going to shame you for like, not believing in him or being upset with him or being disappointed. He still loves you, and he still has a plan, and he wants you to bring those things to him. He's a big God. He can handle all the feelings that we throw at him, and he understands. But then we have to make the choice not to stay there. We have to make the choice to trust him beyond what we see. We have to make the choice to believe him for who he is, the power he has. 
And then we have to live like it. I really think that we have to stop playing it safe in our faith. The greater our faith, the greater our level of faith, the greater the glory that God receives in our life and through our lives. The greater impact we have on those around us. Life with God should be exhilarating. It should be full of adventure and excitement because he's going to call you into things and places that you should never be. But he has you there and he has a plan and he wants to do something through your life. I feel like you should be living in such a way, we all should be living in such a way where we get there to the other side of it and we're like, I don't even know. But God did it. God showed up. No way could I have done that. But look at what God did. Look at who he is. Look at what he can do. When I was praying about this message and praying about what it looks like to have a life of faith, um, I got this image of, has anyone ever gone skydiving? Anyone? Okay, I'm with you. (laughs) I have never gone skydiving. Um, And I don't think I ever will. I probably in college would have been like, yeah, I'll do that. And then I had kids and I'm like, who's going to take care of my kids? (laughs) But ignore that, because that's not the point. I'm going to get my backpack here, because that's not, um, it doesn't go along with my illustration. Okay, pretend I'm brave, and I'm a skydiver. I feel like a life with Jesus is a lot like being a skydiver. So this parachute on your back, let's imagine that this is faith. So I'm ready for my adventure with Jesus. I'm going to go up there in that plane, and then... I've got faith on my back, so I'm holding on to faith, right? Faith is going to actually require me to get on the plane one day. (laughs) Can you imagine the looks I would get if I walked around everywhere in my life with a parachute on my back? And they're like, why do you have a parachute on your back? Got to be prepared. You never know where faith is going to take me. (laughs) You never know when I'm going to need this bad boy. Can you imagine how crazy and ridiculous that is? To be walking around with something, a tool, a piece of equipment, and never use it? Never even be put into a position where I would have to use it, right? I just imagine, I got this image of so many people claiming to have faith, claiming to grow up in the faith. Yeah, I believe in God, and we're out there with like parachutes on our backs with nowhere to go. We're not even, we're not showing off anything. (laughs) And he's just saying, you know what? Faith is going to require you to obey. It's going to require you to step out. It's going to require you to get on the plane. And then as you're going up and up and up, it's going to require some level of courage and bravery to jump out of that plane and to trust and who God is, and what he said, to trust that he positioned you there for a reason. He's not going to let you fall without catching you. He has so much that he wants for our lives. And we never get on the plane. We never get into position to be used in that way, to grow our faith, to build us up. He wants to take us to new heights with him. There's things that, yes, we're going to have to face, but every time we deploy our faith, every time we rip that cord and we activate our faith, and he is faithful, we have greater confidence and a great, stronger faith in the next time when we go up. You know what? Take me a little higher this time. 
Take the plane a little bit more, and then we're going to do it again. We're going to rip that cord again, and we're going to trust, and then you know what? He's faithful. He's faithful. That's who he is. And the more trust we put into who God is and what he can do, the higher he's going to take us in our life, the more he's going to grow us. We get to jump out of that plane at new heights, and guess what? We get to say, look at God. Look at what he did. Look at the glory that he gets through my life. Every time we activate it, he proves himself faithful. And you know what? I was trying to think of a time that I, I wanted to share about when God's been proven faithful in my life. And oh my goodness, there were so many things that I could have chosen. But one thing that he reminded me of this week was when we were called to plant Soul Revival Church, we were called in... I don't remember, 2017. It was like at the end of the year in 2017. That's what it was. So we were like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to move to Racine. We're going we're gonna to go forward with this vision God's given us, and we're going to say yes. So we put our house on the market. That was our act of obedience. Well, month after month came around, and let me tell you, showings with three little kids are not fun. Like, not fun at all. Trying to get your house prepared to, to be seen is not fun. Um, but month after month came and gone, and we still didn't have an offer. So we had to keep dropping our price, our listing price, down and down and down. Now, during this process, too, we felt really led to plant the church through this organization called ARC. We just felt called. We felt like that's where God wanted us to do it. And... We were meeting obstacle after obstacle after obstacle in our way. And I found this journal entry I had from May of 2018. So this is about seven months into us so excited, like, yes, God, you've called us to plant this church, and we're going to go, we're going to move to Racine, we're going to plant the church, we're going to build the team. And seven months later, we're like, nothing is progressing. Nothing is happening. Everything keeps coming against us. There was some health stuff I had in there. As soon as I said yes to God with this, my eyesight was gone because of some brand weird thing. Anyways, I've, I've restored my, he restored my eyesight, so that's good. But I'm just saying this to tell you that it was not an easy road. Yes, we said yes, and we stepped into obedience. But seven months into it, we were like, what is God doing? Where is Jesus in this? I thought he was going to move us there right away. I thought he was going to build this church right away. And he gave me these verses in Romans chapter 4, and it's um, verses 16 through 24. And I want to read them to you, and I want you to understand that in this, in this moment, what I was seeing with my physical eyes was such a discouragement. And I was second-guessing, and I was doubting, God, did you really say did I move too quickly? Did I act in faith too, too fast? And he's talking here about Abraham. It says, therefore, the promise comes by faith. Everyone say, by faith. So that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, the law of Moses, but also to those who have faith, the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. 
He is our Father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. This is who God is. He gives life to the dead and he calls into being things that did not exist. He calls into being, okay? And it says, against all hope, And that's what gave me pause. I stopped right there, against all hope. That's where I was at. I prayed in faith, and my circumstances were telling me it was hopeless. And he said, you know what? Look at Abraham. Against all hope. Abraham, in hope, believed. And so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him. So shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. And then he was counted as righteous. He was counted as right with God because of his unwavering faith. He was fully persuaded that God had the power. It didn't matter what his circumstances told him. It didn't matter that it didn't make sense. It didn't matter what he wasn't seeing it come to fruition yet. He still chose to believe God at his word. And you know what? That was seven months in, and I held on to those verses for the next year because it took another year before our house sold. It took another year before we were able to move up here and start building a team and start leading or jumping into launching this church. And you know what? As a church, there's, there's obstacles in our way all the time, and we just have to go back to that. We have to go back to that promise that God gave us. He can be trusted, and he is faithful for those who believe in him. And so that was just one instance. But I believe that God has put dreams in your heart. I believe that there are some things that he has prompted you to do and things that he is wanting to do through your life, a purpose that he's given you that maybe you've given up on. And he wants to plant those dreams in your heart again. He wants to bring those things that you thought were dead and gone back to life. He wants to resurrect those things in you. He wants to bring you to new levels of faith. He wants to take you to new heights where you're going to have to jump out of the plane. Yeah, you're going to need courage for that. You're going to have to trust him for that. You're going to have to believe him for that. But he's going to prove himself faithful. And you get to watch him work. Maybe you're facing something right now that seems just too hard. Maybe you've even stopped praying for something to change because you've been praying for so long and you haven't seen him moving. You haven't seen him working, although he is. Even if it's just starting out with a little bit of faith. He said you need faith the size of a mustard seed to say to the mountain move. He's not requiring you to have some big, bold faith. That's what grows. That's what you build up to. That's where he wants to take you. But if you just have a little tiny seed of faith right now, use it. Use it. Because he will do more through that faith than you can imagine. 
It's time to activate our faith and believe in the one that we're praying to, not believe in the outcome. I think sometimes we get that twisted. We're believing for something instead of believing in the one that we're praying to. The, the difference here is this. When we don't get it the way we want, we still believe him for it. We still believe he's good. We still believe he's able. And it may not look in the timing you want. It may not look the way you want it to. But you can trust that it's going to be for your best, for your benefit, and for his glory. I just believe that there's a spirit, there's a spirit of faith that he's wanting to rise up in us as we've been talking about these miracles, as we've been sitting here in this service today, as we've been worshiping him. I just sense that spirit of faith. He wants to say, believe in me again. Believe me for it. Let me dream with you. Let me put things inside of you. Let me do something through your life and your obedience. I want to take you to new heights. I want to build up your faith. Now, I know today that there might be some watching, listening, some here in this room that don't even have a relationship with Jesus. And we never want to close out a service without giving that opportunity. Because when you talk about choices, we talk about choices, I believe with all of my heart that that is one decision that you will never regret. It's the best decision that you could ever make is to say yes to Jesus. Did you know that you don't have to struggle through life on your own? Like I said before, trials, challenges, that's part of life. But he doesn't want you to do it on your own. He wants to walk you through it. He wants to build up your faith through it. You can have assurance, that faith. You can have assurance both for now and for all of eternity through Jesus if you choose to believe in him. And it's a choice. It's a choice. It's an invitation to step into relationship with him. Maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a very long time. But all you have to do is believe and receive it. Remember the words of Jesus to Martha? Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. That's the promise. Even though they die, and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That's all it takes to be saved. That's all it takes to take that first step of faith. Do you believe this? I want to take a moment, and if you're in this place, just bow your heads, close your eyes. I believe that the Holy Spirit is speaking and moving and that this is a moment. It's a very personal moment between you and Jesus. And he's asking you, he's getting right close to you and saying, do you believe, do you believe me that I died for your sins? that you are completely forgiven. Do you believe? Do you believe? And the Bible says that if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, then you are saved. There's no magic words to pray. There's no thing that you have to do to earn the love of God. He already loves you, and he meets you right where you're at. And if that's you today, if you're saying, yes, I, I believe, it may not be a whole lot right now, but you know what? I want to do this with Jesus. I'm tired of living on my own. I believe. 
yes, Jesus, I believe. And if you want to step into a relationship with him, then I want to just encourage you to be brave and bold in this moment. Everyone's heads are bowed. Every eye is closed. And if that's you, would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you? Raise your hand so we can pray together. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here in this place. Thank you, Jesus, that you came and that you died for our sins so that we can step into relationship with you, so that we can be with you for all of eternity in heaven. But thank you, God, that you meet us right where we're at now. And thank you that you are calling us up and calling us out in faith. I thank you, God, for the things that you're already working on in every one of our hearts. Those, those promptings that we have. Maybe we should call that person. Maybe we should go visit them. Maybe we should have that conversation. What would it look like to follow through with that dream that God's given me? What would it look like to start that ministry? What would it look like to serve that person? What are the dreams that God's placing in your heart right now? I just pray that you would have the boldness to say, I believe you for it. I believe you can, and I believe you will. And I'm going to live my life putting my faith into action, walking it out, making decisions because I know that you've got me and that you have a plan and a purpose greater than what I can see beyond my circumstances in this moment. I believe you for more, God. I believe you for more. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining Soul Revival Church Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review us to help reach more people with the hope and love of Jesus. If you would like to support our ministry, you can visit us online at www.soulrevival.church.